Hi everyone, and welcome to the Game Luster Podcast. This is Sean Pyle hosting, and today I am joined by the dynamic duo of Trevor, Editor-in-Chief. Hello. And the site's creative lead, Christine. Hey there. The topic for discussion today is Fortnite Battle Royale, and we'll explore the game's astronomical surge into phenomenon, including our thoughts as to why this explosion has happened, and just our personal thoughts on the game itself. But... As always, uh, before we begin this discussion, we're going to give everyone a chance to share the games they've been playing recently. So I guess we'll start off with Trevor. Well, lately I've been raiding some tombs, and it's not in Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh. It's actually in... Uncharted? No, it's not Uncharted, but you're a little bit closer. Okay. Because in Uncharted, you do play as a thief, correct? <laughs> yes. That is not right. I have been, the tombs I have been raiding are actually within uh, Thief Gold or Thief the Dark Project. They were in that one as well, but I've been doing the gold re-release. But yeah, so for my, my next entry in a feature series on another site, I decided to focus on the uh, grave robbing part of the original Thief game. I'm even calling the entry Tomb Raiden, and uh, Garrett <laughs> does have a line time to raid some tombs that he says during the game and it's two missions from the first thief game that i've been playing a lot of um one of them is a crypt a haunted crypt and the other one is an ancient civilization uh both great indiana jonesy uh levels and missions that are atypical for stealth games and that's something that the original thief has a lot of so i've been playing down in the bone horde as one of them and this is a great it's a great dungeon exploring adventure. Uh, the premise is you're going into this large labyrinthine crypt or catacomb system, and you're you're going after this this horn, the horn of Quintus. The Quintus being a noble family that's interred in the crypts, and the great and and as I'm writing my story on it, I I, I was got, I hit right some writer's block here, which surprised me because this mission has been one of my favorites. So I thought. After I play it, writing the entry is just going to flow naturally. But I was stumped. And then I finally hit upon um, the main story draw or the narrative draw to this mission. It's that the whole time you're in the mission, you're hearing this haunting tune that's coming from the horn. And it's actually what you use. You can follow the sound of it to find the horn. So you enter the tombs or the crypts and you hear the horn playing. It's it's a tune like it. it's... It's famous among Thief fans. They included a reference to it in Thief 3. But but you hear this melancholy, haunting little tune playing way off in the distance. And, of course, it's coming from this horn that you're after. So the whole time you're playing, the closer and closer you get, the louder the tune gets. And that's what I decided to focus my story on. And it's really creepy because, of course, once you pick up the horn, the tune stops playing. And suddenly there's this palpable silence that fills the whole place. And it's really a really effective narrative draw in that mission. But again, it's an atypical stealth mission. Um, you know, it's not robbing a bank. It's not robbing a manor house. Um, it's a crypt. It's got zombies. It's got burricks, which are wonderful little dinosaur-like things. It's got uh, fire elementals. Um, it's got spiders. I mean, it's great. That's why the original Thief... And to some extent, Thief 2, though it's more standard stealth, it's it's such a great game because stealth is just a part of it. Really, it's like an adventure or CRPG game or or even, like I said at first, a grave-robbing game. Um, 
you're in this fantasy world and you just happen to be a thief and stealth is just a part of it. Um, and then in addition to that one, um, the mission called Down in the Bone Horde with the haunting little horn that you're going after. I've been doing the Lost City, which is an ancient civilization and you've got fire elementals, you've got mages, you also have spiders, again, giant spiders. And it's, it's just, a great, I already hinted at it, a great Indiana Jones mission. There's even a part where you have to use your rope arrow to to shoot into some wooden beams and get across a lava pit. And then you have to duck down when a metal spike thing slams down and it would have hit your face. And you're picking up journals from a lost expedition that went there of people who were looking for treasures before. So they both have this great um, lost tomb vibe. So that's why I, I'm calling the post uh, tomb raiding. That I'm, I'm going to be doing um, for for Tech Raptor, and now that's not. In addition to that, I've also been playing another Thief mission called uh, Between These Dark Walls. Wait, wait, I have a question, really quick. Uh-huh. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Where can I find your Amazon affiliate link for Thief? <laughs> well, it's on the. <laughs> it's. I mean, if you go to any. Any well, if, wait is that a serious question or no no it was okay. a joke it I was, was about to give you a serious <laughs> answer okay no, it was a joke about uh, my theory that you're a thief or whoever develops thief you're a plant for them and your purpose is to slowly indoctrinate us into this game <laughs> no, it's a, it's a long running conspiracy theory really yes well it was, it was made by Looking Glass and they've been out of business since 2000 though other Hashtag side follow the money man that's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> there is other side entertainment made up of some ex-looking glass employees and they're making underworld ascendant. But I, I'm I'm not aware of them having any influence over me. And then yeah, yeah. Square Enix does currently hold the uh, Thief license, but I didn't like Thief 4, so and I certainly wouldn't want to speak for them, so yeah, I don't know how sure. much merit your conspiracy theory might hold. <laughs> but yeah, I can still give you that Amazon it. link if you want it. <laughs> sure man i mean why not i i do want to i mean you speak so highly of it and i you know i actually think it's really fascinating how um apparently alive the fan community is for the thief series yeah i just i mean i just vaguely heard of the thief games before um i joined the site and it's mm-hmm. really interesting to hear that there are so many fan-made things that are still being made for it and i still really want to try it out um i haven't yet i'm still planning on it though actually well, it's it's a small, tight knit community, and speaking right. of it, I am. It, for- it's called a cult, actually. <laughs> a cult? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's TTLG, um, and I'm actually going to be interviewing one of the fan authors there again for uh, for Tech Raptor. But it's they they his name is Skaki, and he's actually on Discord too. That I'll be interviewing him on Discord. And he, he made this this mission I'm playing called Between These Dark Walls. And it's a great... It's it's done in the original Thief style, which is more dark medieval and, and all that. And it's a great surreal cityscape with towering buildings and winding streets. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it has great vertical design like that game has, where you look up and you see this little wooden beam high up and you can figure out a path between crates and ledges of getting there. And then you use a rope arrow and you can climb up and go into the window and you find loot and you find a journal entry. So you find a a story cache and not just a loot cache. And that mission has a lot of it and it hits all the thief, the original thief vibes. You know, there, there are hammerites, 
I mean, I know that means nothing to you, but there are hammerites. Um, and I even play with this, this patch. Because they do these patches. They've made a lot of patches to get Thief running on current hardware. It's really great and easy. Mm. GOG and Steam use them in their releases. And <coughs> I'm even using a patch that doesn't have any... It just it does allow the game to run, but otherwise it's straight original vanilla content. Um, right. I'm definitely more of a vanilla guy with, with games and mods, so I'm playing the complete straight classic hardcore way, and it's a great mission by Skaki, and I'm going to be interviewing him about it tomorrow night, actually, so I'm excited. I'm excited about that, to finally actually be speaking, or I guess texting, with one of these fan authors in this community yeah. that I've been following for so long. Yeah, that'll make that'll be really interesting, for sure. I'm always amazed at the Thief community, how they've continued to sort of keep the games going in that way. I think it shows uh, how much, I don't know if it sounds like too cheesy, but like how much it influenced them or sort mm. of spoke to them in a way. Because I don't think there's a lot of games that I've heard of so many fan levels and fan missions and fan mods coming out for, especially one that isn't like a huge, very mainstream game. But I don't know. I just, I, it's like you expect it for things like Pokemon, uh, because yeah. you think, oh yeah, it's really popular, of course. But I don't know. Every time you mention like, oh, there's a new fan mission and there's always a new one. It seems like every other week. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like amazed by it because like how it must be like a very, um, deep lore of the game for people to be able to keep it going for so yeah. long as well. Because if it's not the volume of the fan base that's sustaining kind of this post-release fan support, then it's probably, you know, just the intense passion of the people who like the series. You know what I mean? It's like, that would be like the alternate explanation. So it's just that people really enjoyed those core games so much that <clears throat> they basically want more of it and they want to provide more of it to, I guess, the rest of the, th the Thief community. And it, it comes, it really comes from that whole 90s scene with PC gaming because other comparable titles would be, <clears throat> excuse me, would be like Doom or, or Quake the id games. And, and there were these games that came out where the developers released an editing utility or made the engine open source and just immediately allowed fans to tweak them and make maps and mods for them. And, you know, or like the Elder Scrolls as well came from that same vein. That's another series that has a lot of mods for it. And it came from that same 90s PC gaming vein. And and all these years later, it, it stayed alive. I mean, there's always the lingering fear that, like not would be Square Enix, whoever holds the rights to Thief, would come in and shut down the fan-made content or, or something like that. But it hasn't happened yet. And, and the community hasn't even, it's not even in its heyday. I mean, back in like 2007, 2008, 2009, there were dozens of missions coming out. Mm -hmm. I mean, much more now, like dozens every month or something. They, they've, they have the stats of it somewhere in the forums there, but, and, and some of the, some of the authors have gone on to professional jobs, uh, like, a few of them, at least two of them, I think three of them now work at Arcane Studios and they worked on Dishonored, um, Wow. Which makes sense. And one of them was the founder of TTLG. Uh, one of them was, I know his, his real name is Anthony Husso, and he's also written a novel, you know, that you can find on Amazon. 
but yeah, they've uh, they've they did a lot of big campaigns back in the day, and actually Skaki's working on a campaign for Thief One now, a fan campaign, and he told me. Actually, when I asked him if I could interview him, he told me he had just gotten a job in gaming, and he he the premise was he had to ask if the interview could still happen, which it can, thankfully. But so now even he's gotten into the games industry in some way. So it's a really exciting community, and it has the same flair of fa- flavor of like like the Doombois community, and the same sort of thing there, where people got into the industry through their mods or their maps. So yeah, it's definitely a vibe that I I love, and it has to do with passion for the games, but also when they came out, how they were on the PC, it was back in the the more Wild West days of the 90s, and that the developers did open up editing and and engine to uh, the, the fans and the users to edit and tweak as they liked. It's awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. Again, I have something I really, really wanting to try out at mm-hmm. some point. Hopefully soon I'll do that. Um, Christine, what, what have you been up to game-wise? Uh, so I recently um, actually got a Switch. and Welcome I'm, to the club. I know, I'm like ecstatic about it. <laughs> I've been waiting forever. I finally got one. And... I've been playing a bunch of different, um, I obviously, Zelda was the first thing I got, and, uh, I don't even really have to talk about that one, because I think everybody at this point knows that Breath of the Wild is amazing, (laughs) everyone loves it, it is like a black hole, and you just get sucked in for hours, and, but actually, because that one is one that I feel like there's not too much new things to be said about. Uh, I have been playing, um, some different multiplayer games, uh, basically just with my family. Mm-hmm. And one of those I became obsessed with, and I, it was another one I bought right when I got it, was the game Overcooked. And yeah. it's such a fun game. Uh, it's, it's not just on the Switch, it's been released for all multiple platforms. Uh, I think it's, on most actually it's like switch and playstation and xbox and pc um so this game overcooked basically it's it's a cooking game it and it requires so much teamwork compared to most multiplayer games that i've played like it requires a lot more teamwork than i've ever really had to do in a game a lot before. of verbal uh coordination yeah. and a lot of like pre pre game planning as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you you go into it and you're like, okay, I'm gonna chop the ingredients and hand them to you and then you're going to cook them and you're gonna hand them back to me and I'm gonna put them here and you have to do this and you're delegating tasks to each yeah. other and then you try the level and then if you like fail miserably and light everything on fire like okay that didn't work. Let's try this way and you go back and you play again and you just keep going and going and because i come from a family of very competitive gamers with each other we're like if we do not get the full stars then we're not going to the next level so we will just play it over and over and over until we get the high enough score that we need but i i just think it's the the graphic style is really fun and the animations i think the characters are great i mean there's like 
human chefs and like doggo chefs and all these things. And um, the story is completely bizarre and involves time traveling and defeating spaghetti monsters. How so? But it's still... So basically there's this giant monster that needs to be fed constantly and it comes and attacks and you start the game actually on that and you're like scurrying around trying to figure out how to do things and you fail but there's no really no way to win that level and this king is like okay you need to go back in time and train to be the best chefs you can be over the years so that when this happens you'll be prepared so then you go back in time and you go through all these levels and then you'll end up going back to fight the boss again. So it's not what you would expect when you look at it. You're like, oh, it's just like any other cooking game. Like click on the lettuce, click on the tomato, make a sandwich. But it's so intense. And I played it with a room of people and we were screaming <laughs> because we're like trying to get, they're like, and the, the switch controllers are pretty small too. And so you're trying to, and, and the screen isn't that large, like the TV that we're, we were playing. Oh, I, I thought you were trying, I thought you were implying <laughs> that you're playing like on the handheld mode of four people. Yeah, on the handheld and would like, be insane. Yeah. Are you trying to kill these people that you're playing with? <laughs> yeah. So even on like a larger TV, it's still hard and you're trying to aim and get to the right counter and you're like screaming and pressing the button and you just end up throwing stuff on the floor and you're like screaming like, no, and go and pick the fish back up and you're like, it's like going an actual back to the kitchen cutting board. Yeah. It's the the intensity of a real kitchen. And I'm proud to say that I did not cause any fires. Yay. I'm not the one who caused fires. There were other people I played with who did being like throwing some shade here, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun. And we, and you know, you just like switch off the controllers and everyone, um, we, we only played like just two people cooperative. I really want to try like with four people and I feel like the intensity will go up. But yeah, I'm having so much fun with it. And part of the reason I, I wanted to switch was because there's so many games you can play with other people and they're, I like overcooked because it's short enough that you can just play for a little bit or for a really long time. It's up to you. And I think that aspect of it is really fun because it's like, oh, do you want to kill 20 minutes? Or you could also just sit there and play it all night. And I've done both at this point. But if, yeah, if you want just like a fun party game, I would highly recommend Overcooked. Now, is it like when you're when you're looking at the screen, like what are you seeing? Is it in I'm curious if it's in first person or if it's like a top down perspective game. It sounds like it's one of those to me. Yeah, it's it's like a top-down one, and there's just like a big kitchen, basically, that you can see. And um, you're going through the kitchen, um, controlling the different people. And that's what makes it so difficult, is because it's hard to really see, especially when the kitchens are, like, larger, so they have to zoom out more. So it starts off a little bit easier, but it's it's top-down. You can see everyone at once. Everyone plays on one screen. And there's the different stations. There's like the prep one and the the stove and service and also washing plates. But yeah, it's just top down of a kitchen. And the other crazy thing 
about it is all the levels are very different though, because there are some where it's like there was one level where it's haunted. So oh. the counters randomly move. Now that's interesting. Yeah. So you'll be cooking and then the counter will move and you're like, Oh, well then. And you have to try <laughs> to run around and get back to the counter. There's another one where it's two buses. And you can only get to the other side when they're next to each other, and then they separate again. So <laughs> Very you have to coordinate. Gimmicks, yeah, yeah. So the it's it's really interesting. There's like an earthquake one where the levels will split, and one person's up high and others down low, and so you really have to plan things out because of this. Because if you have to plan, like, okay, someone has to be on this truck at all times, mm-hmm. so don't go over to the other truck. And you have to pass me these things. So you're like, I was like throwing tomatoes on the floor of the other truck and then trying to jump back on mine in time before my soup burned. And yeah, so it sounds like at the beginning you think, oh, it's just a cooking game. But there's so many different levels. And um, the most difficult one I played so far has to be the ice one. Oh, wow. You're floating yes. around on ice and it has the slippery yep. mechanic. So yep. you're just flying off the side <laughs> of the ice because <laughs> you're trying to hurry because there's a time limit and you're just trying to do it as fast as you can. But then if you go too fast, you just slide right off and have to wait to respawn. So it, the it sounds like start off. Sorry, go for it. Oh, sorry. But, uh, but I was just going to say it, it sounds like a very advanced Mario Party mini game. Like everything yeah. you're saying, even the the running too fast on the ice part, like having to balance not going too mm-hmm. fast with not going too slow. That's a really interesting point. I mean, because I think I'm a huge fan of Overcooked myself, and I think one of the best things about it is how accessible it is for people who don't actually play games typically because of its, yeah. like on the surface, how simple it is. I mean, you have, you move around, you dash, and then you pick up items. So that control scheme never expands beyond that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. that's all there is. But what does expand are those levels, right? So like the gimmicks get crazier, your circumstances get harder, but you're kind of like organically getting better as you're doing it because it's gradual. It's not like all of a sudden it's hitting you with a hard level. It's kind of slowly but surely uh, making the, basically the same exact process just a little bit harder. And yeah. it gets insane by the end. Uh, Christine, I don't know if you've gotten to like the space levels. I don't know how, if you've gotten I knew there would be in the one. game. Yeah. Yeah. And I was even going gets, to ask that. Sure. <laughs> it gets just so radically hard at the end, especially when you're cooperating because I don't know, it, it takes so many, like, like Christine said, if you're trying to get three stars, it's inevitably going to take many approaches, many attempts to actually get that. Cause it's, it's just hard to put it simply. And you were kind of relying on some things to go right. Maybe some RNG rolls going your way. So it, it just, it can get frustrating too. Like it's a lot of fun, but man, it is easy to get super angry at the people you're playing with, but it's a good, yeah. a good memory regardless. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And like I said, you're kind of yelling and sometimes you're yelling at the screen and sometimes at each other. Yeah. Because you're like, I told you I needed that lettuce now, damn it. And then they're like running back. <laughs> I'm the and tomato forth. guy. I told you I'm the tomato guy. <laughs> Why are you chopping tomatoes? I said I was on tomatoes. And they're like, I'm right, sorry. Exactly. And then, so it's, it has that sort of intensity to it. But yeah, I like how you put it. It's, it's sort of an organic progression because 
the controls are so simple, but the levels get more and more and more complicated and the recipes get more and more complicated. And if you were to just say, hey, want to play this game with me? You couldn't just start on like one of the closer to the end levels. You probably couldn't even start on like level four because right. you, you have, I feel like you have to play through it with the person because if you just toss them into the fray and you're like, oh, by the way, there's rats that take all the ingredients. So you have to move fast and they don't even know oh, how to pick really? up things yet. Like, yeah, they, then that would just be impossible for the other person. So. It's a good bonding experience because you kind of get better at it together. Yeah. But I love, yeah, there's, I do. I love how, how rats come out and, and take things apparently. Are there like, are there a lot of little quirks like that? Cause that sounds great. Yeah. There's, there's like a level where there's rats. There's, are there ghosts in the haunted level? Uh, are there ghost rats? I don't know if he really There's like... ghosts alluded to. <laughs> yeah, they're You know they're there, but they're not to. visible. Yeah. Maybe there's invisible ghost rats. Who knows? Maybe. The best of but... both worlds. The best kind of rat. Yeah. Ghost rat. <laughs> <laughs> the, your ingredients just float away, and like you watch the <laughs> apple churn into an apple core or something, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, ghost rats. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't even realize cause it looked like a normal level and we're like, oh, thank goodness we get a break and we put the ingredients like, I'm going to put them here for you to grab. <laughs> and then this rat came out and stole all of them. We're like, wait, no, back. <laughs> I just finished cooking that soup, you monster. <laughs> so Help. yeah, you definitely, you give up on passing the first time. It's basically like, we're going to just do a trial and we would play for like 20 seconds and like, okay, now we get how difficult this level is. Let's come up with a plan and restart. At least that's like the method that I have approaching the game. How much is it? And and where did you, did you just get it off the eShop? Um, yeah, I just got it. I just bought the digital version and I got the one that came with the expansion because it, it I think the price difference really wasn't that huge so I was like eh, I might as well get an expanded version of it and, and the expansion uh, includes like five different species of rat so you, you have to get it <laughs> it does uh, so, you're like mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, wait does it does it Oh, no, no, okay. no, it does okay. not. It does. <laughs> That'd be awesome if it did. But no, I cannot say that's real. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it does. No, I, I don't think it does. But it's <laughs> it's only 20 bucks for the special okay. edition. Okay, well, I need so, in on this. Yeah, so I was like, I was going through, and, I, and when I first got it, um, actually for my birthday, I was like, I want to make sure that I get some games to play with family because everyone's over. So I went through and I was like, okay, what are some good ones? And I got Overcooked and Snipper Clips and a couple others. Um, and also I just like treated myself to, yeah, a bunch of different games. Some for me, some for party kind of thing, but yeah, it's only 20 bucks. So, and it's, I think worth every penny. It's well, awesome. I, I need to check it out. Yeah, you, you actually need to, Trevor. Yeah. I think you would appreciate it. So I've been finishing off Monster Hunter World. I have spent my entire time with Monster Hunter World playing it alone, so the luster is starting to wear off a little bit for me. Mm. Um, 
The loot grind is maybe losing its appeal. Initially, it hooked me enough because I enjoyed the core gameplay of Monster Hunter enough. But the the fact that the essence of what I'm doing is so repetitious, like that is start. I mean, I've played it for like 40 hours, so it's not like I didn't get a game out of it. Like I played 40 hours and I loved it. But at this point, it's becoming more of a relaxation game. Uh, maybe, maybe like a podcast game. Like, do you guys have any podcast games, like games you play while doing other stuff because that's sort of what like monster hunter is becoming to me like yeah that's how i feel with world of warcraft sometimes you're just doing dailies while you're watching tv or something right because it's like a chore almost like not a i don't know about that but like sort of like it's a list of things you have to accomplish and it requires a limited enough amount of mental uh uh mental effort that you can easily do that like I, i can totally grind in monster hunter and catch up on podcasts. And it's a pretty fun experience because I'm being preoccupied with the physical actions of Monster Hunter while I'm also, you know, I just kind of like the efficiency of it. Like I like that I'm doing that while also catching up on podcasts I need to listen to. So that's kind of like the niche that, that Monster Hunter is going to probably fulfill for me from now on. I imagine over the course of, like I'll probably put 20 more hours into the game like over the course of the next year or so but it'll be in way smaller chunks than my initial like run through of the game where I was just playing it a ton and, and trying to get as far as I could but I have I feel I, I haven't actually beaten the game yet and I feel no real pressing desire to do so just because the story is like maybe for lack of a better word kind of lame in that game but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys checked uh, Monster Hunter World out at all or play it? I have uh, not. I have not, no. <laughs> yeah, I, it's um, maybe something worth looking. I, I know a lot of, it, it is kind of a love it or hate it type experience. Uh, World did a lot to minimize some of the annoyances of previous Monster Hunter games. And I think it became a lot more of a wider appeal to people, but it's still, it's still definitely not for, like some people just, some types of gamers just, don't like what it what it has to offer but um yeah it was one of those games where i had just spent all of my money on other things right. so sure. i was like well now i'm out of money and i cannot buy this so i just watched some let's plays of it because i still wanted to kind of get an experience or see what it was like so i just went through and watched a couple let's plays for a few hours so i was like get a feel for it and it looks it looks great I like the character customization. Right. And I like that you can, I think I'm getting this right. You can basically be a cat person. Yeah. So you have a, a palico too. is what they're called and they're sort of your yeah. assistants. And these palicos are freaking the coolest. Like, yeah, you customize it like a re- like in a character custom customizer at the beginning and you can choose what color of fur your palico has, like what style of ears your palico has. But then, like, and I believe this is the first time Monster Hunter ever did this, but you can actually get armor for your Palico from hunting your monster. So not only are you getting armor to outfit your character, but you can also do the same for your Palico. And it's a really fun, like, side diversion, customizing your your partner cat. I don't know. I It's not like a huge game changer or anything, but it's something that I really liked about the game. It's really cool. Yeah, I saw that and uh I was very attracted to the idea of being able to customize my own little like cat companion. 
So right. I was like, this, this looks like it added a whole new level of want for me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to play this. Oh, I want to make my character and like make them look this way. And like, I like how people sometimes will go through so much effort to make it look like a famous, you know, person like actor or video game character or something. Yeah. But then I saw that you also get to customize the other one. And I was like, oh, I can even customize them and like their fur color and everything. I'm completely sold on this. So like next, next pay stub. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely I, I, something I want. Yeah. It's, it's a neat game. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, the other game I've been playing is a uh, golf story. So I had my eyes on golf story for some time in pre-release. Like it was a game I was keeping my attention on as the previews slowly trickled in for it. Uh, I actually bought it maybe a month ago or so, but I just now actually started playing it because I, I just now finished night in the woods. Golf story is a really, it's charming. It's unique. I'm having a good time with it. Uh, a lot of parallels have been drawn between it and Mario golf on the game boy color. And I don't really have experience with the Mario golf series, but I, I'm really drawn with what's going on to the to golf story. So the writing is really good. It's legitimately funny, which I think is one of the hardest marks to hit for a video game. So many games that try to be funny just aren't. And I can think of few examples, yeah. you know, where that lands. And I, I think books are the same way. Like it's so hard for the, to to write a funny book. And I think in the same way, it's hard to write funny dialogue in a game. I, I don't yeah. exactly know what the medium reason is for that, but it just historically seems to be the case. But Golf Story mm -hmm. actually does have did have a few moments where I legitimately thought were funny, I laughed at or whatever. The the golf mechanics themselves are a little bit shallow, but I think there's enough going on besides golf that the experience is still as a whole good because there's not just traditional golf. You can there's a disc golfing mini game, there's a couple sprint challenges like race, you have to beat this lap in a certain amount of times there's mini golf there's all kinds of these side diversions that somewhat limit the impact of the of how bare bones the core golfing is so yeah like the golfing is a very rudimentary three button press system that isn't revolutionizing anything it's not the sloping system isn't particularly deep or anything like that like on the surface very simple but there's enough else going on that it kind of mitigates that that issue. Um, uh, I guess one last note about it, and it's kind of a small thing, but I, I do find the music pretty irritating in Golf Story, which is not a <laughs> it's not a huge deal, I guess. But I've been so spoiled, I guess, with the recent indie games I've been playing. Night in the Woods, the soundtrack has, is an amazing soundtrack. Stardew it's Valley a has wonderful soundtrack, right? Stardew Valley has an amazing soundtrack. Um, mm -hmm. Celeste has an amazing soundtrack. So I've just grown accustomed to these little indie small games having, I don't know, like memorable soundtracks. And Golf Story, at least in my opinion, it just comes across as like jarring. And I, I, perhaps like they're going for a unique stylistic thing, but it just doesn't resonate with me particularly. Like I'm actually playing without the sound even on a lot um, mm -hmm. just because of that. But it's a small a small thing and and I don't know if I had to throw a number on golf story right now I'd throw an 8 at it like I'm having a good time with it it's definitely unique um some faults here and there but 
definitely worth checking out if you're at all interested in a sports RPG type game. Yeah. I'm always surprised at how I am not an athletic person at all, mm-hmm. but I seem to love video games that involve sports. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. It's a living vicariously, yeah. the lives we wish we could have. Mm-hmm. Like I, I cannot play golf at all. But I've played so many golf games, so I'm very interested <laughs> hearing you talking about it because I liked playing the golf mode on Super Monkey Ball. Yes. I liked playing Super Mario Golf. I loved yeah. Super Mario Tennis. Yep. Like, So even though to some people they might be like, golf, that sounds boring, but I'm like, I love golf games. It's so much fun. I, I played a fair amount of, of golf Growing up um, through high school, some into college, never on a team or anything, always for fun. Um, I mean, like, Sean, have you played real golf? Do you have that to reference as you play golf story or no? I played I played golf, real golf, like one time. My friends okay. were supposedly going to teach me how to, um, like, how to swing or whatever. And I yeah. think they gave up in about five minutes. I think my <laughs> initial attempt was so grotesque that it was apparently beyond, beyond fixing, <laughs> like not even worth their time any longer. So I haven't tried golfing since then. Um, well, I, I had a yeah. lot of golf lessons in high school. It was part of required credit. And, That's and I played, I, I, like I said, I played a fair amount of it. I never got super obsessed with it, never played on a team, but I played a fair amount of it and, for a little while, kind of started getting good, and then that completely went away. And I haven't played it uh, like five years or so, really. But I occasionally will go to a driving range and swing a club. And, you know, I, I do all right, you know, for, for someone who, who isn't good, I, I do all right. And But I, I've never played anything, any golf game beyond Mario Golf, let's see, on the N64, and the the GCN sequel, I think Toadstool Tour. Those are the only golf video games I've played. So I, I have I actually I I have a point of reference when it comes to actual golf as you speak of golf story, but I have no point of reference with other golf video games myself. Yeah, I've I I think another reason I enjoy playing them is because golf is something I've always wanted to do or wanted to be good at. But I never really had the opportunity to, so I was like, oh, I'm very good at it in video <sighs> games. But yeah, I, I went mini golfing like one time when I was younger and was terrible at it. Um, and then I had this camping trip I went on with a ton of other families when I was younger. And I basically went because they were, they were going to go golfing as well. I think it was in Yosemite or something. And I was very excited. And then the day came and they were like, only the men are going golfing. The women stay in the tent and play with puzzles. That's terrible. This trip sucks. (laughs) So I had like a bit of a resentment, but it's basically my goal to one day play actual golf. And especially to like stick it to those people. That was kind of a hashtag break the patriarchy, man. Yeah. Oh, and I kind of have a resentment towards puzzles now as well. I'm like, dang. I'm like, I hate puzzles. How dare you? But I, and then I spent the rest of my summer playing 
golf with Super Monkey Ball Golf. Yes, I... And also Mario Golf. So I was like, there we go. I'm just going to play it this way. No one's going to discriminate against my little monkey, I guess. Yeah, like, man, that's... I, I'm sorry about that. I mean, wow. But yeah, on the topic of Super Monkey Ball, well, I guess first golf, if you get a chance... I mean, it, it's great if you can get out to a course. I mean, I know there's the whole you have to get the clubs and get the balls and practice and meet with the trainer and get a bag. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff. But if you can get out to a course, it's great. It's really great when you play by yourself. It's relaxing. Even if you're not doing well, it's it's great when you have like a course to yourself and you hear like the birds chirping and everything. That's what I always loved about it. It's like it's like a little nature experience as well. So even if you're playing bad, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I'm out here, you know, it, it's pleasant. There's a cool evening breeze. I'm by myself. It really is a great experience for a sport considering it's one you can just do on your own. Like I said, all the equipment is a high price of entry. I don't know if you can rent stuff or whatever, but, but both of you, um, I'm Sean as well. If, if you ever get a chance, I encourage you to get out onto a course because it's a really fun, a fun, pleasant experience. Um, and then, and then on the topic of uh, Super Monkey Ball, I did play the heck out of Super Monkey Ball Golf and Billiards. <laughs> it was great. I played a ton. And Billiards, yes. yes. I was a Billiards Super Monkey Ball addict. My goodness, yeah. I've never. Well, I, I was MLG played. man. I was the best <laughs> in the yes. world. I was a pro, pro Monkey Ball player. Um, but 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 yeah, real golf, Monkey Ball Golf. Golf story, it's all great all around, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all a relaxing experience. It's at mini golf. I've never liked mini golf. I, I, it's always, <laughs> it's like some cheap manufactured, it's like the, the bag of, of cheap candy of golf or something. I don't know. It's like a grotesque, cartoony. It's like the runts candy. Yeah, it's of like, golf. like oh, they're like, how dare you evoke things. that name? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, if you're interested, I mean, check it out. It's it's pretty fun. I mean, I think having your expectations in line is important. It's a game that maybe irrationally garnered a ton of hype because of its timing, its release timing, but it, it's awesome. I mean, I like it. Um, I hope to finish it soon. Yeah. Anyway, so to begin this conversation on Fortnite, just really like quick idea. Uh, what experience, if any, do you guys actually have playing the Battle Royale mode of Fortnite? I played with you. Period. Okay, so that's the extent of it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's twice as much experience as me. Yay. <laughs> no. I um I was about to try it and then a 9-year-old told me it was his favorite game and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to pass." <laughs> I, um <laughs> I know it's terrible and very ageist of me to say that, and I've mentioned this before. It's very ageist of me to just be like, uh, children play it, because, like, children play basically every other game I play, but, like, yeah, I don't know, there was something about it, but, um, I have watched some of the, like, Twitch streams, especially, like, the famous ones, watched parts of that when I had the free time, so... I haven't played it myself, but I've experienced it vicariously through, yeah. I don't know, research. That sounds really lame, but. Well, I mean, I think a, a huge percentage of people are, are vying to, you know, just in general, watch games versus play them anyway. And, well, I guess we're about to get to this anyway. So it kind of goes without saying that this Fortnite thing has become huge. 
with a really insane trajectory too. So like it's very much that gradual and then suddenly tight boom with Fortnite. Yeah. And it, supposedly this game was created in two months, like not Fortnite itself, not the engine of Fortnite, but the battle Royale uh, adaptation of it was created in two months, which is just mind boggling that this game mm-hmm. was created in two months. Right. And, and is dominating other games, viewerships on Twitch um, Ninja, supp- the top streamer of this game, supposedly making like $500,000 a month. Goodness. Yeah. It's just insanity. And like when it comes to like boiling down the factory, so, so why is it like, it, obviously it's being free to play as a factor, but, but to like what extent? Cause PUBG wasn't free to play and it had a, a comparable impact and continues to. So is it the fact that it's Battle Royale? Like what, what are you guys' thoughts on like what contributed to this? this sort of phenomenon we're in. Well, I read um, that Twitch Prime offerings on a rare Fortnite loot could be a reason why that people are signing up for Twitch Prime just for the Fortnite loot. And that on top of free-to-play, and, and that's also what brings them into the streams. Right, it's so kind of a cyclical thing. I have heard about the Twitch Prime, and I've heard that a, an enormous part of Ninja's recent exponential growth can be credited to that, actually. Like, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that it's so easy to just go because it's free to play, which I, I think is some people's response that I've seen online is like, it's just popular because it's free. But, you know, go to the App Store or Steam. There are so many free games and they're not as popular. So there's obviously something more to it than being free. If there are so many free games that don't really have anyone playing. And if they do, it's just for like a week and then they delete it. So I think it's part of it. I think the accessibility of it, that it's free and that it's on so many platforms has something to do with it. But I don't, I think there's something more to it than that. But I think definitely the accessibility of the game helped a lot with the growth. Yeah. And I think like free to play is a factor, but I think even more so when you consider it's free to play on a console. Cause you know, mobile, mobile platforms are, are the home of free to play. Like free to play yeah. dominates on mobile. And there are other free to play games on console, but Fortnite kind of being one of the first ones to jump out or I'm on honestly the first one to jump out to the degree that it has and, and kind of what Trevor was talking about. There's that cycle, right? It gets streamed, more kids talk about it and the, the word of mouth gets so intense. Like it's really just like any other fad, you know, it's just accumulating popularity very, very quickly. And with the nature of Twitch and YouTube streams, it, it advertises itself in such an effective way. Um Yeah. Yeah. But, but, Part of me also wants to believe that it's the the battle royale that for some reason people are attracted to the 100 dropping on an island and then having one survivor because PUBG is not really a polished experience by any stretch. Like on PC, it's getting better on Xbox one, supposedly still a disaster or whatever. It's almost as if it's like the battle royale maybe that that is attracting people so much which makes me wonder at what point will we see like the flock of of battle royale um attempts coming from you know triple a studios that are going to try and like replicate this success to some degree you know 
Well, it's so easy to understand, and the premise is simple. You know, like, I mean, games like Overwatch, of course, are still successful, but there's teamwork involved, and in Battle Royale, not necessarily. And it's a uh, hundred people at once. It's so many people at once, it's easy to get into a match. Like, yeah, that premise is definitely part of it. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. I have I have a a theory and um I might be completely wrong or maybe I'm right but I have basically my theory goes into current entertainment um and I guess culture in general at the moment because if you if you just look at the name Battle Royale it's those types of games are referencing the movie Battle Royale, mm. which was about having a bunch of, you know, teenagers having to fight to the death. And that genre of film sort of came back recently in books and in movies and exploded in popularity. And it's the basic um, post-apocalyptic special teenagers put in dangerous situations and surviving because they're good people genre, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you have hunger games um, and you have maze runner and you have like 50 other ones that are basically the exact same plot. Like, yeah, I am so fatigued it, by that at this point. It's like yeah. dystopia is the new zombie. Yeah, exactly. It's like they put you in some sort of category of, you know, choose whatever, and then you go into your category, which is basically a Hogwarts house. That was, let's be honest, that's where that's copied from. You go into your, like, faction, or you have your district, or you have whatever it is in the film. And then it's, okay, you're all in this area, survive. And I feel like Fortnite has aspects of that that's so familiar and that's drawing a lot of people to it because just watching it makes me think of Hunger Games. And it's kind yeah. of a full circle thing to me. It's like Battle Royale led to things like Hunger Games and Maze Runner. And there's another one I can't think of the name of, but they're all there's tons of them. But and then back to gaming Battle Royale. And it's this idea of it's not just shooting, it's survival. It's a survival game yeah. like you I was watching these videos where they were like, you know, tips for winning at Fortnite. And it was like, the first thing you have to do is go and loot as much as you can for resources. And I was like, that sounds exactly like the beginning of Hunger Games when everyone's running in to loot as much things as they can to survive. And, you know, some people win by like in Fortnite, it's like you build structures, you do these other things. And in films and books like Hunger Games, it's like, it's not just the people who go in there, guns blazing or, I don't know, arrows blazing, yeah. <laughs> who win, right? It's the people who, like, build a fort in the trees and have, yep. you know, bottles of things to protect them from poison, like, and sick, mutated wasps on other people. Like, it's the cleverness. And I think people, because it's so ingrained right now in media of, like, clever teenagers surviving difficult situations i feel like consciously or not a lot of people want to be in that situation and see if they would survive now but it's like sorry oh sorry uh but um 
So so two two notes on that. I really like the Hunger Games comparison interests me because I of course I'm aware of the Hunger Games, but I I haven't watched the the films or read the books. Um, but that's an important point that you know this other cultural phenomenon is based on that same battle royale premise. But I also wanted to ask. Does the phrase Battle Royale really originate with that movie? Did it ever exist beyond that movie? Because it seems to me like Battle Royale is one of those phrases that should have just like always existed, right? Or did it come from that movie title? Or do you know? Um, It came from the actual film in 2000. So at least even if the style of game existed before them, um, the actual term... Wow. When people started calling it Battle Royale, came from the film Battle Royale, Cause, which is why I find it so interesting. Like it just like it sounds like something I swear was just like like King of the Hill or something. Like it's just a, a <laughs> yeah. phrase that had existed. But I mean, I, I mean, I I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying it surprises me. It'd be like if I found out like you know some phrase I'd been hearing in everyday life. Oh, that actually came from a movie title. It'd be like what? But well, well, Trevor, yeah. here's what you don't know is that King of the Hill actually originated from the Fox animated sitcom King of the Hill. Okay. <laughs> really? Dang. That's yes. two, yes. two yes. in like a 10 People minute period. That. Wait, did it? <laughs> no, no. Okay. I swear. <laughs> you keep, you keep throwing these curveballs at me. This is turning me. into like a April Fool's cast. Ah. On poor yeah. Trevor. Yes. Well, you're, you're shattering my world. Like next thing you know, you're going to tell me like, I don't know, like, I don't know. Ah. That's a hard example to try and conjure up on <laughs> yeah. the spot. Don't say anything. <laughs> but no, it it and it actually did because when when these were started to surge in popularity, I went into like research mode and found that out and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. Like it went from a movie and then I don't know, it's just cultural in general. It takes from each other, right? So mm-hmm. If it's in games and films and books and all these other artistic mediums, it usually originates from one of them and gets copied onto all of the others. And sorry, I mean, and it probably and also um, there's probably fifty animes in the past two or three years that have the same battle royale type of scenario. Fifty, and it's like. I I watch a thing that's like updates on, you know, new animes of the season and I'll have like five of them that are basically battle royale or some sort of tournament. And I'm like every single anime seems to have this now and it's just it's going through all of the different mediums. Like it it's in comics, it's in film, it's in anime, it's in video games, it's in so many different things and I think it's just it's becoming it i think it's going to become very oversaturated but there are obviously you still can pick out your favorites so you know there's all these different dystopian hunger games esque thing but we call them hunger games esque right so that's showing hunger games is the most mm-hmm. popular one and you know there's lots of movies like that but battle royale is the most famous for it um like japanese film and um, I'm sure there's probably some anime that did really well with that and some that didn't. So I don't know. I think it's going to be, um, as Sean said, like all of these different developers are going to start pumping out Battle Royale, trying to grab onto the fad. But I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't think they can just 
make it. And then when they start to do that, people are going to really get fatigued of it pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. So I, I want to like dive actually into that talk about where does it go from here? But I do really quick before we depart from our current topic, like it almost seems like a, a chicken and the egg type conundrum with like our fascination with like this dystopian battle Royale thing, because like, is it the content itself that generated this interest in us? Or is it actually activating or appealing to some like primal, uh, carnal like desire to be actually be pit into one of these situations where you're actually (laughs) having to be superior to other you know what i mean like is it actually appealing to like some lost part of ourselves like in some crazy darwinistic way like i don't know Mm. it's just kind of like weird how it popped out of like all those things started surfacing so quickly and they became so popular and i almost jorge and i had a discussion he tried fortnite battle royale and he had some criticisms of it or some kind of inquiries about some of the decisions Epic has made with the game. And one of the things he pointed out is there's not much of a progression system in Fortnite. If you compare it to Call of Duty or Titanfall or other competitive shooters, you don't you don't level up and acquire new armor or gear. You don't get new perks. There's nothing really keeping you playing that game other than the desire to win. Like... In Call of Duty, if you lose a game, that's okay because you're unlocking some new gun. In Overwatch, if you lose, that's okay because you're coming closer to earning more skins. But in Fortnite, it's like the only thing that is driving this player base retention is the desire to win. So it's almost like they're replacing loot boxes with the thrill of victory. Like just being able Mm. to win and come on top is enticing enough for people. And I th- I think that's so interesting because we're like so many other games, multiplayer games right now are, are driven by this, like in monster hunter or destiny, it's like, okay, get more better gear or in overwatch. It's well, raise your metal ranking. Like, but, but Fortnite's the whole different thing. It's just about coming out on top and it's a really different approach, I think to motivating players and retaining them. But yeah, I don't it's know. being, like, it's, it's being the last person of 100, sort of the draw of like, oh, wow, I could be the one, you know? Yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, it's like the same thing that happens during, like, drinking competitions. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I have to be the last one standing, and I will keep going until I am. I will be the alpha in this room. I'll do anything it takes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't care how many, like, swigs of whiskey I need to take. I will be the last one standing. But... I think that mentality um, is very, I don't know, pervasive. So like you said, it's hard to tell. Like, is it something that started when someone came up with this idea and we became fascinated in it? Or is it just part of human nature or human history? I think it's at least I would say it's hard to figure out which is first. But I definitely say that humans do have that competitive nature and it's brought out in different ways. And in games, leaderboards is a very big part of that. And then you also have to look at, uh, we mentioned like Twitch before and a lot of people like a viable career is being a Twitch streamer, is being a let's player, like playing these games, being entertaining or very good at them can be a career. And I think that's another driving point of it because when you look at people making hundreds of thousands of dollars on it, of course there's tons of people who want to get good. And 
you know, if you get a really amazing shot or something in a game and you're recording, you upload it and you go viral, that's very appealing to a lot of people. And I don't want to just sound like a old person and be like, oh, these new generations obsessed with fame, but like <laughs> teenagers psychologically are, are wanting of fame. And they yeah. even did a study recently that found that, um, the, basically people who are between the ages of 15 to 25 ish, let's say, basically they value fame higher than success. So financial success is not as much of a priority as fame. Will that just be and, success in general or just financial success? Or just success in general. So huh. where that, that's previous generations, it was like, I want to be successful. Mm-hmm. We have an idea of successful means this. It means having, you know, the American dream, basically. But now it's more like, I want to be famous. I want to be, you know, a star on some sort of social media platform. And it's understandable because it's... It's something that you see every day, so it doesn't feel unobtainable. Like being a yeah, movie star exactly. feels unobtainable. Being a Twitch yes. star doesn't. There's an illusion of viability, yeah. even though like mathematically it's not necessarily viable for anyone to just yeah. do it. There is that illusion of it because Ninja is just a guy, right? He's just a guy who's yeah. insanely good at Fortnite. He has an interesting person. He has a personality that engages his audience. Like teenagers are like somehow more narcissistic than other humans already are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can totally that's what I mean. It's not, drive. yeah. Yeah. It's not just saying like this generation. It's just because that generation currently is teenagers. Yeah. Like, they're in that developmental teenage state. brains. Yeah. Teenage brains crave different things than children's brains or adults brains. So I think that is a huge factor because if you look at the huge fan base, it's that demographic. And it's like, if I can, if I win the number one spot, you're kind of achieving that. And like you said, it's kind of like almost a new version of loot. It's like, if you get to be the number one person and also it's so, it's, it's become so popular. I think that's how it continues to grow because basically everyone at your school would probably know what it is. And if you said like, I was the last man standing, that would be very impressive to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to, and I just want to, going off that point, I just want to briefly touch on some of the experiences I've had, uh, substitute teaching recently. Uh, basically, at, I, I've started keeping account of at every, basically every school I've ever subbed at, cause I sub at like pretty much all the local schools. Every single day I'm asked if I play Fortnite. Like a kid, a mm-hmm. little middle schooler, or even high schoolers do it all the time too, will come up and ask, like, hey man, hey bro, you play Fortnite, man? Like how many wins do you got? Like it is such a phenomenon in that age group. And I, I know teachers all across the country are just completely grasping at straws trying to end this epidemic because of how, <laughs> and, and then it came out on mobile too, you know, like the expansion base, like every kid has a phone. So yeah. it's just so incredible, like how that phenomenon has caught on in that age group. Like I think I read a piece on Waypoint about just how bad it is and teachers from all over were writing it and talking about like, this is like, we haven't seen anything like this since Minecraft in the way that it's grabbed mm. like every inch of the attention spans of, of like these students. But it's crazy just because of how out of yeah. seemingly nowhere it came. Cause Fortnite was like, honestly 
seen as a joke for a while when it was in that player versus engine stage. Like, I think that game was announced in like 2012 and it never looked good. I still don't know that the player versus engine is anything to write home about. Um, from what I've heard, I don't think it's like that good of a, like, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing, but well, I think that will wrap us up for today. Unless you either of you yeah. two have something else to a finishing line to add. Well, it just it comes off when you put it in these terms. It comes off as very shallow to me. Like it's just about the fame okay. or the popularity that teenagers want. I don't know. I guess I just like more, you know, um, deep character quality things like deathmatch. You know, because that's so right. much better. You know, I play deathmatch. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't want fame. I I seek to just I seek fulfillment. For the sake of fulfillment, you know, achievement yeah. for the sake of achievement. I'm not out for any fame, you know, and I'm getting <laughs> pummeled by pro players all the time anyway. So I, it, it wouldn't be good that way either. But anyway, yeah, death yeah. match. But, yeah, I definitely would um, add a like asterisk on what I said. I mean, like, it's not obviously I think there's so many facets, so many parts of it. And everyone points to different things. And it's almost a cop out of me to do it. But it's like, I think it's. Part of it is, you know, current popular, you know, culture, popular media. I think part of it is the Twitch streamers and the online community. I think part of it is the, um, like age group. I think, and I, I do think that the gameplay and how it looks has a part of it as well. So, you know, it's not incredibly violent looking. Um, and it's not super duper cartoony looking. It's this kind of, easy medium between it's the skyward sword of, of multiplayer yeah so like basically and it I helps that it's made by that effort. was a ridiculous comparison that was that was ironic <laughs> that was satirical what were you saying trevor oh i said it helps that it's made by epic yeah yeah, yeah sure um, so yeah, I, def- uh, yeah. I definitely think that that adds to the appeal so there's so many factors to what? consider and i think all of them contribute to it i don't think there's any one thing that is um, more important than the others, at least that I can tell. I'm sure other people have their opinions of it, but I think there's just so many different things. But my basic I, assumption that I had today, or not really assumption, but idea was, I think it's just everybody is consuming this type of media. So it's really easy to get into and understand. Yeah. And I don't want to make it like, like, I played a lot of Fortnite actually. Like I, it's slowly dropping off, but I, I, especially with my friends, have played a decent amount of this game. And for all the insanity that lies within the fact that Epic created this mode in two months, there is the caveat that they are supporting this game in a truly insane way afterwards. Like their updates are constant. Yes. And this thing, new weapons all the time, new adjustments. They've, changed they they're constantly testing things like weapon spread and stuff like that like they're doing what PUBG doesn't in, in a certain way and i think that consistency is another big part of it and i think maybe they have that awareness that if they don't continue to adapt this thing if they're complacent then they can easily lose this thing in the long run and maybe that's a lesson that PUBG corp is currently in the process of learning uh i don't know i mean activision blizzard apparently there's murmurs of them kind of considering jumping into this thing and all kinds of rumors about red dead two having about a, like 
I think Epic probably understands, you know, the nature of this thing and that if they don't remain relevant, another studio will do it better. So yeah, for whatever reason, um, whatever it's motivated by, they're supporting the game in a truly special way. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it is fun to play. It is a good game. I'm not trying to say anything that suggests otherwise, but it's just bizarre, really. Mm-hmm. Cool. I guess it's also so, killed any chance of that new Unreal <laughs> Tournament ever leaving Alpha phase, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I just, and, I don't know. You and your Fortnite, I just want more Unreal Tournament. <laughs> right, or Thief Battle Royale. Yes. Well, there is a Thief <laughs> remod for the original Unreal Tournament. Maybe they could do a um, Battle Royale Thievery mod for... Maybe you could do it. Tournament 2004. There you go. You could do it, Trevor. But, uh, you know, we, I yes. think like one time we sort of joked about like anime luster. Why not just thief yep. luster? <laughs> just straight yes, up. Just all, yes, all I love our it. eggs in the <laughs> yes. basket. Yes. Or, or, um, uh, all in. looking glass luster. And it could be spelled where the E is the last letter. So it's like luster is in a shiny diamond. Because it was, look, yes, looking glass luster. There we go. I'm, I'm just cringing, imagining like, I don't know about that, man. Nothing but know. coverage of uh, the TTLG community and the Dart mod. There's a, I thought about doing um, Dart mod features for for Game Luster because that's the uh, Doom Three based uh, mod where the Thief world is rebuilt in the Doom Three engine and out standalone. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I guess we'll go ahead and do our. Um, you guys can give your social media tags so people can find you if they wish to and also if you want to give uh a la- an ending statement of you know whatever we've been doing what have we been doing oh yeah words of advice or something like that uh, i guess we could start with christine <laughs> um yeah so you can find me anywhere online basically with the handle kimchi christie k-i-m-c-h-i-k-r-i-s-t-y and find all of my various rants on things and retweeting of adorable animals. Yes. And um my final thing to say is I am pleading with creative people to please stop making dystopian teen fiction because <laughs> I am so over it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. in video games it's okay for a little while longer, but please stop. Please, I'm honestly hoping don't. Maze Runner gets. Uh, if if Maze Runner dies, I die with it. That's the only thing keeping no. me going is Maze Runner. Don't you dare no. speak speak ill of that. <laughs> <laughs> What's Maze Runner? It's a uh, it's a based it's a, it's a series of movies based off a series of books. It's pretty dystopian. It's Hunger Games esque. It's okay, okay, but it's definitely too much. And the first the first one was okay. And then from there, I believe it was a, I'm speaking somewhat ignorantly because I don't think I've seen them, but they apparently have dropped off a lot. But Is that maze as in maze or maze as in corn? Like a labyrinth. Okay. Okay. Maze as in corn would be an amazing yes. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It'd be way better. You're just like a piece of corn running <laughs> and it's five films of teenage corn yes. running and killing each imagining... other. I would watch the hell out of that. Oh, let's do this. Let's do a spinoff. <laughs> Maze Runner Luster. Okay. You could draw cute little <laughs> corn people. Right. But yeah, please, please, no, nothing more like 
Hunger Games, Maze Runner, uh, Divergent, that's the other one. Yeah, Please yeah, that's what it is. No. I was trying to think of that too when you were talking about yeah. that. Uh, Trevor, just, what about, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, that's, I'll just, I'll just end there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Trevor, what about you? Well, I am, uh, at Benny the Guard. That's all lowercase, B-E-N-N-Y underscore T-H-E underscore G-U-A-R-D. And, um, let's see. Words of wisdom. Uh, well, there's not, I haven't been feeling wise enough lately, I guess. I guess I should try, should this be, this, does this need to be connected to the topic of the podcast? Um, or can it be just oh, no general way. words of wisdom? You can just tell people to eat their vegetables. Yeah, just vibe. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, eat your vegetables. Um, play, <laughs> play Quake Champions because more people need to play that. So I'm not waiting 20 minutes to just get killed by two pro players. Um, support Unreal Tournament because I want it to leave Alpha. Um, ignore Fortnite because it's a shallow experience. And um, <laughs> look for look for Looking Glass Lester coming soon from Lester Media. <laughs> All right. Um, and my. Word. Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Quirky Argonian. Um, I don't know really why you'd want to find me there, but you can. I really like that that's your, your handle, by the way. How did you just come up with that while playing Skyrim or something or another Elder Scrolls game? It was actually out of a desperation. So my Twitter handle was my name, Sean Pyle, but, um, another Sean Pyle had that tag. (laughs) So mine was with an I instead of an L. So it was like Sean Pye. Or whatever, yeah. which is fine if it's a link because no one would know the difference. But I can't verbalize that reasonably. Yeah. Like we, I, you I just did can't. just now, you could do that. But it's so drawn out and it's absurd. Yeah. And and if I just said Sean Pyle, people would end up on this other dude's like Twitter. So I just I just decided to come up with something separate from my name, and that's where I landed. Um, I'm okay with it. Yeah, but why? I like it. But why Argonia? There, why not like um? I don't know. I'm a fan of the Argonian. I think Dark Elves are my favorite, but um, Quirky Dunmer, just, (laughs) I don't know. Dorky Dunmer. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe someday. Anyway, so my word of wisdom is uh, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. I found it on, I found it from Googling words of wisdom. (laughs) Which discipline for this time. Say that again, though. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. (laughs) <laughs> to tell you the truth, I exited out of it. I'll have to find it again. <laughs> Discipline like is that, the bridge though. between goals and accomplishments. I like that. I really do. It's true. It's It seems like there's value to that. Take it to heart. Yep. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening to the Game Buster podcast. This was Sean, Christine, and Trevor. Uh, be sure to uh, check us out next time as well. I don't know what we'll be talking about, but it'll probably be something pretty cool. Oh, yeah. See ya. (laughs) See ya. See ya.